turn with me just briefly into Matthew chapter 7, and I'm going to share just a little something there, and then we're going to jump over to Ephesians. And my intention is for us to spend a few weeks here. Um, that's not a reference to how long the sermon will be today. But we're going to spend a few weeks looking into the book of Ephesians. And um, as far as my young adult life, the book of Ephesians was one of those passages where I really uh, was able to dig in and felt like the Lord opened up the scripture to me. I just found that the more I read it, the more it opened up. And the more I read it, the more it opened up. And the more I understood and the deeper it got and the more wise I found God to be and how things tied together. And it was also in a study on the book of Ephesians where Cecile and I really got more acquainted. And so it's got a warm place in my heart. We were both going to the same Bible study. We've still got Bibles that are all marked up from, from those days, but um, she just did her eyebrows at me. So. Um, if you will, turn to Matthew chapter 7 and uh, listen to, uh, look at verse 24. We're starting out a brand new year, and I have this gauge that, that, that I use in my life um, when I'm, when I'm preparing to minister or think about how ministry should, should go. And uh, it goes back to Paul. And I think about Paul and the other disciples who went out as missionaries back in that day. Thinking about what it would be like to go to a brand new city. Paul went, was going to, he went to Ephesus. A very pagan and corrupt city. I mean... One of the, the a major trading port of the day, and, and strangely enough, now Ephesus is several miles inland. Uh, the uh, inlet that was there is all filled up with silt, and now it's overgrown. And so the city itself is set several miles inland from where the ocean actually is or where the sea actually is. And, uh, but at one time, it was a major trading port, and there was a, a temple to Diana there. There's still the, the remnants of a, a library that was there. Uh, you can go online and look at some of those archaeological buildings that are there. And it was really a, 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 a powerful, influential city. Uh, there was pagan worship there <coughs> to the, the goddess Diana. <coughs> and you can look at Acts and see all the goings on there. But Paul went there to take the gospel. And it's mind-boggling to me to think of a missionary going to a place like that and stepping into all the turmoil uh, of, of spiritual deception and things that are going on that people are caught up in and, and going and, and taking the message and speaking about Jesus and speaking about salvation and speaking about restoration and then knowing that after a brief period of time this missionary has got to move on and go somewhere else and leave a fledgling church at that time they didn't even have a New Testament available to them the best that they had was an Old Testament and uh, for those who were, had the Hebrew roots, they could get that. But you've got a, a, a group of believers now who are fledgling in the faith. And they've got to have some kind of foundation to stand on. They don't have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to go back and read. And they don't have all the scriptures that we would lean on to try to find encouragement and strength. And so what did they have? We know that when he was there, he gave them the truth that he had the time and the opportunity to give. They introduced them to the Holy Spirit so the Holy Spirit could be a, a guiding uh, a partner in their life to help guide them into all truth, to remind them of the things that have been taught, as Scripture says. And the Holy Spirit, they would, had to have an intimate walk with the Holy Spirit in order to be able to tell the difference between good and bad because they didn't have the opportunity to be taught all of it. And so... 
as we look at that, what is the greatest foundation that we could give? What is the greatest thing that we could give to people who are new in their walk with the Lord? And, and I'm going back to this scripture that came to mind, interestingly enough, it tied into some of the, the songs that we were singing today. But in, in, in verse 24 of chapter 7, it says, Anyone who listens to my teaching, this is Jesus, and follows it is wise, like a person who builds on a solid rock. <clears throat> Though the rain comes and torrents and floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey, it's it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. So there's two different depictions here of foundations. One is a house that's built on rock or built on a bedrock, and the other is a house that's built on sand. Now, Cecile and I are living in a, a farmhouse that has its own challenges and one of the things is it doesn't have a great foundation it was built low to the ground and over time there's been some settling in that house due to the way it was constructed and put together and uh we've attempted to jack it up and get straight and you know er, er, some parts of it now i know that at least two people in here have had major foundational issues with their house and and it's an unsettling thing <laughs> to have your house have a foundation issue not only does a rock your world and you realize, uh, okay, it's not going away unless we do, do something about it, but it's also a, a financial hit. I mean, it, 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 it costs to be able to remedy a bad foundation. And uh, we're still dealing with our house, but it has to do with the, the way the house is constructed and things like that. But you know, it talks about here that you can either have a house built on a rock or you can have a house built on, on sand. And if you've got a house built on sand, you're vulnerable to whatever environmentally may go on, whatever forces there are out, are out there. They're working over there in, in California to develop uh, foundational structures and, and technologies to help uh, protect those buildings even against earthquakes. I don't know if you've seen any of that, but shock absorber type systems and spring systems and things to ab absorb when, when those earthquakes come. And some of those tall buildings, can you imagine being in one of those things when it starts swaying back and forth? No, thank you. Um, but um, I also got to thinking about life and what we see out in society. And, and let me pose a question to you. What is it that brings stability to your life, a sense of value? a sense of who you are, an identity? What is it in your life that causes you to feel secure in who you are? Even as believers, that can be challenging for us. Some of us, it's the clothes that we wear, the persona that we put on when we go out. I just fixed my hair before I came here this morning. I don't understand. Can I just digress just a little bit? I had a conversation with my dear, sweet, loving mom on the telephone yesterday. And she said, David, you, you might need to grow out your hair a little bit longer because it looks like you stuck your finger in a light socket. 
And that was not all. I'm going to tell you, she spent, she had a good time with that. She just kept riding that horse for a while and talking about my hair. I'm like, Mom, you're supposed to be a safe zone. Because <laughs> she was picking at herself too, but I thought that was hilarious. But, you know, what is it that it, it's not the hair for me anymore? You know, that's not an important thing to me. Um, but it, clothes, financial stability, for some people it's how much they know. For some people it's their job that's secure. For some people it's the relationships with the people around them. And reality is the sad thing about all of that is that all of those things can fade and go away and those things that once we leaned on to make us feel strong and feel secure those things can can all of a sudden become a, a source of great insecurity when that crutch that we leaned on or that thing that we thought was going to be our security all all of a sudden fails us you can look at celebrities that cannot help but have their lives broadcast around the world over media and there's people who shot like a rocket up to number one you know it's really a sad story when you look at it because at least one girl in our household was just a disney fan she loved it she kept up with the disney stars and all that type of thing and just followed them and just all caught up in all that and uh it's amazing how those disney stars went from being disney people and shot up into fame and and notoriety and then all of a sudden it's predictable what a shame to see them tumble and fall and all of a sudden what got them there wasn't enough and then you see the corruption of character and the influence of the people around them and all of a sudden in order to sustain their notoriety they have to go even further and further extreme and before long it just becomes so distasteful the way they're living their lives or portraying themselves that that fame that once propelled them up to the top all of a sudden becomes to crumble and fall and then i mean not to be, i mean shaving their head and you know that, that type of thing i mean that's just a dramatic thing where were you going with that what was that supposed to do um and i'm not trying to point out one of them because it's really across the board you see that there's very few that reach that level of notoriety and fame that are able to sustain that without somehow just going berserk somehow they go wild and try to keep themselves in the in the in the news right we've seen some of the wealthiest people in the world um end up taking their lives some of the most famous people end up getting caught up in drugs because they're trying to do something to keep a level of of it may not be the the uh um the fame that's keeping them high now they're finding something else to keep them high and and and, and support them in that way i mean uh who was it that, that built this, the Spruce Goose? Howard, Howard? Howard Hughes, the wealthiest man of his time, I believe. Anyhow, built the Spruce Goose. Some of y'all are like, Who, what is a Spruce Goose? <coughs> At that time, it was the largest airplane that had ever been built. I'm not sure if it still is or not, right? And it was wooden, spruce. That's why they called it Spruce Goose. But anyhow, he ended up losing his life. He really went off bizarre and and uh and died but he had all the money that he needed isn't that more than enough what's your life built on Can, and let's go over to ephesians and that may seem like a, a strange place to start but 
there's a greater principle involved here that we're going to see in in uh, the book of Ephesians. And I, I just want to, um, this is a masterful book. God did good work. I'm not going to say Paul. I'm going to say God did good work. Um, you can take these six chapters and dig and dig and dig and dig. And you can just sit there and, you know, if I said, we're going to spend this year on the book of Ephesians, you could just about do it. We're not going to do that. But we're going to spend some time in the book of Ephesians for the next few weeks. And uh, just starting out with chapter 1, I thought, well, we'll just do one chapter a week. And I thought, I can't do that. I've, I, we're going to spend, I can't, we may be in chapter 2 next week. But So here's the thing. You, uh, you and I both probably have been, if you've been through a study of Ephesians, you've probably been through a study that says who we are in Christ, right? It's a very worthy study because that's part of what Ephesians is all about. It's teaching us who we are in Christ. Who you are in Christ. You can dig into here and find out things about your identity. You can find out about provision that God's made for you. You can find all, thing, all kinds of things. It, it lays out the promises and the provision of the Lord. But when I came to it and read it this time, I thought, what kind of foundation do we want to have? And let me tell you, folks, there's a different kind of foundation I want. I just don't want to know God's promises for me. I don't want to just know all that God's done for me. I want to know the God that did it. So when we go through this passage we're going to look at today, and I'm going to read, and I'm going to talk, and we're going to share, I want us to focus on the God who's reaching out to us. Because when the promises look like they might be wavering, because I don't understand all the circumstances, and the time may be not working the way they're supposed to, if I know the God who made the promise, I'm secure. My rock stands. I can depend on that rock and know that he's not going to fail. His promises will be true. But he is the one on which we stand. So let's go, um, and I'll just read the intro. To this. this letter is from Paul. He's the writer, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. Um, I don't want to spend much time with it because, because that's not our purpose. But it is interesting if you take the writings of Paul and you take the intros from those different writings in chronological order, can kind of see a process going on with Paul where it talks about Paul saying called to be an apostle which is fine but he knew he was called to be an apostle and then it progresses along you start seeing an apostle of he's grown in that calling he's grown in the understanding of who he is and his function in in the body of Christ uh, God, he was a sent one Paul was a sent one and here he's writing to the Ephesians a church that God had sent him to I'm writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Christ Jesus. And let me just say this, that there's an aspect of holy which identifies activity and action and dedication and devotion to the Lord. And there's another aspect of holy that, that, that looks at the work that Christ accomplished for us. Because folks, no matter how we measure our actions, no matter how we measure our thought life, no, measure, no matter how we measure how good we're doing in life, we're nowhere near the holiness of God 
unless we see our, our, ourselves through the, the light of the blood of Jesus and what he accomplished through us. It is Jesus and the Holy Spirit that makes us holy, the spirit of holiness. He's come to work in our lives to transform us into the image of God, to help us walk out the life. So when Paul describes this as a writing to God's holy people, it's telling them of where they are positioned in Christ, but I believe it's also reminding them of their calling to be a people set apart to the Lord. And he does commend them for being faithful followers of, of Christ Jesus. May God our Father, verse 2, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Grace, we always hear about being God's unmerited favor and thank the Lord for God's unmerited favor. But really the word for grace is also, the, it is the word charis, which is much more than just a Hebrew understanding of grace or mercy. The word charis is a word that deals with not just um, a forgiveness aspect or a mercy aspect. It's, it's a, uh, the word charis refers to enabling and equipping. So when we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, it is the charis, the, the charis gifts or the enabling gifts that God's given us to live the life for Him. God gives us grace and God gives us peace. Now going back to the premise of how we're going to focus on this passage today, we're focusing on God. As we're reading through this, I hope that you get just tons of information. This thing pours into your life about what God has done for you and you can see yourself in Christ. A lot of times the passage is, is taught and they're saying, look at the in Christ so you understand who we are and our new identity in Christ. But I want us to look at this passage, focus on God's work on our behalf, God's intention towards us, God's willingness to not overlook but having paid for the sin in our lives, how God is working to bring us into that relationship with Him. Look how it starts out in verse 3. In this translation, it starts out at and says, all praise to God. Do you get that? It's not little Jack Horner sat in the corner, stuck in his thumb and pulled out a plum and said, what a good boy am I. It's not me sitting over there and saying, look, you did pretty good this week, David. You prayed for this many people. You shared your faith with this many people. You know, you read your Bible this many times for this many minutes. You know, it's not about that performance. He says, all praise to God. We could do all the good that we wanted to do, tried to do, had the availability in the minutes and seconds of the day to do. And if it wasn't for God's work towards us, where would we be? Man could not in his own ability reach God in any kind of way. We couldn't. You know, the, the pagans today and the pagans in the Old Testament, we see depictions of how they cut themselves to try to get God's attention. And they did all these things to try to appease God. And they tried to work it up and somehow to get God's attention. And, and uh, the prophet mocked them for that. They said, maybe he's on vacation. Or maybe he's, he even said, maybe he's relieving himself. He, he can't hear you because you're doing all these incantations. It doesn't have to do, do with that. It has to do with sacrifice and what Jesus did that brings us into relationship. So all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Now, one of the challenges that we'll have going through this 
is to find a punctuation place to be able to stop. Because Paul gets to running and his sentences get like this. So we have to just find a place to stop. So let's stop right there. We've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly realms because we're united with Christ. The focus is the focus on the blessings, the focus on the union. But the thing about it is that union, that connectivity, Killian, you've got an opportunity to have a relationship with the Son of God. He's drawn you into family. He's made you a part of his inner circle. Amazing. He's drawn us in and made us to be joined with him and then has given us all the spiritual blessings that are available in heavenly places. Everything that's there to be provided for us, he's made provision for us. He's made us to be included in all of that. There's, to me, just that thought, and I say it often, but there's a place at the table for me. There's a place at the table for you. When God thinks about heaven's Thanksgiving meal or the Christmas table or Sunday lunch, he doesn't forget to see that your place at the table is set. Everything that God intended to bless humanity with, Everything that was in God's heart to do, God included us, every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Praise the Lord. Listen to this. And, and I have to tell you, I've got two other versions of the Bible there. And somebody asked me the other day, which version are you going to use this year? And I didn't answer. I've been, y'all know I've been using the New Living Translation, and I've got my. Uh, New King James Version and my NIV that I had back in college and they're all marked up and are fun to read because I get to see those things that God was doing at that time. But when I got to reading this and I went through all of them, I thought I'm going to stick with this today just because it, 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 I love the way it shared these things. So I'm still in the New Living Translation today. I don't know about next week. Um, listen to this. It says, even before he made the world, God loved us. Does that hurt? Does that hurt? I, I'm just going to tell you, I, I know. I, I, the only reason why I said that, I know for some of you, you, you leap and there's no problem inside, but I know for some people it's, it's hard for that to really sink in, to really believe that, that God loves you, to really believe that, that God doesn't look at you and somehow see as you as less or see as you as, yeah, I, he can love all those other people, but it does he really love me. Before the foundation of the world were laid. He had a plan in place. i got to read it again. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ. We don't know how to think that far in advance. We don't know how to think that fully. But God, before he began this whole process on the earth, he knew you. He knew you. You know what? He knew Adam too. He knew Adam and Eve would take that fruit when he said, look, I'm providing all this for you. I provided the tree of life for you. There's only one thing. Don't eat of just this one tree. Look, you got everything else. You've got everything else. I made it for you. I'm giving you stewardship over all the earth. Just this one tree. God wasn't being mean to them. Sorry, I'm chasing a tissue. God wasn't being mean to them. 
help. Um, thank you. God wasn't being mean to them, but he knew that because man had a free will, there had to be a boundary somewhere. If there wasn't a boundary for, uh, for, for someone that has a free will, then they just became a robot. They don't have the ability to choose or decide. There's got to be some kind of boundary. And he only put one place. But God knew that they were going to fail. He already had a plan in place to bring redemption. So you look at your own life and you look at your own habit patterns of thought and you look at the own way that you react and respond and the words that come out of your mouth. No, not, not us. You look at the places where your eyes go when they shouldn't go. You look at what you lean on for support in the hard times. You look at those things that the enemy would love to push that button and disqualify you and tell you you're not good enough. See, you're a failure. You're not worthy. These promises for everybody else but not for you. And I'm here to tell you today, God knew you before the foundation of the world and he still loved you and he still made provision for you and he's still working to draw you into himself. He knew it all, and yet he loved. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. It's too much for me. I don't understand it. It's too much for me. I can't figure it out. But God's word says it, and it's true. It's real. God who knew you better than anybody else. God who knew you about what happens in the secret place where no one ever knows when it's hidden and it's quiet. God who knows every detail of your history. It says here, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. <laughs> wow. What kind of love does that? What kind of love does that? Yes, I want that puppy in the puppy store. It's got... It's a little smaller than all the rest, and its ears kind of hang floppy, and its tail's a little bit crooked, and the spots are all in the wrong place, and it doesn't meet the pedigree. But I love that puppy. I think I'll take that one home. It's much bigger than that. The family that we were adopted into, God doesn't bring us in as puppies and pets. He brings us in as sons and daughters. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And listen to this verse, the way it says it, just so plainly. This is what he wanted to do. It gave him great pleasure. Why does God love us? Just, I mean, the immensity of his creation. The earth compared to creation is just a speck just a little ah. but yet he loves us 
He wanted to do it. It gave him great pleasure. You know, there's such a deception among people that somehow think that maybe God needs us, that God's got to have someone to praise him so he feels good about himself, or maybe people praising him, you know, gives him glory or something. It, it makes God feel better about himself it's not about that he's not gloating in the fact that people are praising him and you know that god fully existed as himself before anything else was created god doesn't need you to be who he is worship blesses us worship teaches us who he is worship pulls us into a deeper relationship with him and helps us to understand what kind of god we serve Worship really blesses us. And when he sees that he, we recognize him and we're drawing close to him, his arms are open wide. Who receives more in worship? I do my best to worship him, but I feel like I'm getting blessed. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. This is what he wanted to do. It gave him great pleasure. So we, remember I was talking about the change of the focus? So we praise God for the glorious grace He's poured out on us who belong to His dear Son. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Thank you for that outpouring. He's so rich in kindness and grace that He purchased our freedom with the blood of His Son and forgave our sins. If he just smiled on us, if he just invited us into relationship, but the fact that he, Jesus would come and walk among mankind, humble himself to live like we live. He experienced hunger. He had to eat. He had to drink. He got thirsty and needed water. His feet got dusty and dirty too. He had to go through. I mean, he had to cleanse himself and wash himself. He had to, he had to go to the bathroom. Can't we be that real? He lived in the flesh like we do. He knows what it's like to go through life. He knows what it's like to be rejected. He knows what it's like to laugh with friends. But he came not for the purpose of all that, but to die so that we could be brought into relationship with him. And through the blood of his son, God brought us and purchased our freedom and, and forgave us of our sins. Verse 8, he has showered us with, showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and all understanding. Why did God do that? Look at verse 9. He has now revealed to us his mystery, mysterious plan regarding Christ. And it's interesting, in these next two verses, there's one word in this translation is repeated three times. This mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure, and this is the plan. Three times the word plan is used in this, this translation. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and earth and on earth. So let's just go back to that point. God's chosen to bless us, and he's given us great and bountiful promises. The promises that God has given us are amazing. He promised that he'd never leave us nor forsake us. He promised us healing. He promised us 
that he would see to it that our needs are met. He's promised us a future with him. But there's a big picture that's going on, and God's intention is the restoration of order in the universe. There's only one God. There's only one king, and God's restoring order. <laughs> it was very interesting to me that on the way to church today, when we were driving up the road and I was just spending time praying and interceding before the Lord, the Lord dramatically um, took me in a certain direction in prayer and in, in intercession. I'm after the tissues again. Um, And that direction that God took me to had to do with the restoration of relationships. And uh, it, this is kind of a sidebar to where we are in this, this passage today, but I, I want to deal with this. Folks, there are things that have become so familiar to us in life, even though they're distasteful, that sometimes we get used to it. And it just seems like, well, that's the lot. That's, what, that's all I have. That's all it's ever going to be. So... I'll just do my best and live it out like that. But <coughs> sometimes that deals with the people that we are around. It deals with our spouses. It deals with our family members. But I just want to reiterate something to you. The scripture says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in, in the heavenly realms. So I want to encourage you, don't stop fighting. Don't stop fighting for your family members. Don't quit interceding. Don't give up. Don't stop. Continue to fight the good fight. Just don't fight against them. Okay? Look, there's going to be disagreements. There's going to be differences of opinions and things like that. And, and, and some of those things are a part of life. But folks, realize where the enemy is. And let's start as believers. Look, we are not novices in this. We have been walking, from, many of us have been walking for a long time. Let's take authority over things that need to be taken authority over. Let's establish the rule of Christ. Let's set things back in order. Make a declaration over your life, over your family, over your household and your lineage, over your legacy. Make a declaration that Jesus is going to be Lord over your family and over your household. Jesus is going to be Lord over your marriage. Jesus is going to be Lord over those that are your posterity, those that are following over you. Make a declaration. Call it into being. Take, take hold of it. Take hold of what God's given to you. Where there's brokenness and things like that, take hold of it in Jesus' name and say, we will not settle for anything less. From your position, you take the authority and make the stand. Look. Everybody is a free moral agent. People have the opportunity to make decisions, but by your will, seal that gate. If the person chooses to go out the gate on their own thing, you can't help it. But at least from your side, do your part to be able to seal their destiny in the Lord. Believers, we don't know how powerful our words are and where our authority is. It, it's real easy to see someone that's floundering in doesn't take much discernment to see that if they keep doing what they're doing, they're going to have consequences. But a lot of people, a lot of believers are quick to declare the consequences and do not speak life 
into people's lives. They're able to point the finger and they recognize the consequence. It doesn't take much discernment to do that, but it takes something to be able to see someone who's messing up and is in a hard place and be able to say, God's got something for that person. God's going to bring them through that and to speak life into that situation and activate the seed that God put in that person, the purpose and plan that God had for their life. And this is the plan, verse 10, at the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Now's the right time for me. Now's the right time for my family. But there's going to be a day when all of creation becomes subject to that again. Everything will be returned back to the order that God intended for it to be. Look, when it comes time to the end time eschatology and what things are going to be like in the end, I can't tell you exactly what it's all going to look like. So enjoy digging in and having your own study about it. <laughs> but I know that the promises that are there are amazing, and the things that the Scripture talks about are fantastic. And I look forward to that. Amen? When things come back into line the way God wanted them to be, and you realize that even though man exercises his will, and even though the enemy was working against us, God still reigns, and God, God brings things back into line, I'm not going to take the opportunity right now to get into hyper grace and all that. We'll save that for another day. Okay. God's purpose was that the Jews, this is verse 12, who were first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. What was it? Those who had the promise to begin with, they were supposed to accept Christ and see Christ and in their receiving Christ, begin living out that example so that the rest of the world could see what was going on and get all excited about it and come and get some for themselves. That's some great apple pie. Really? Man, this is some of the best apple pie I've ever had. Can I get a slice of that? If I could just tell you what Jesus did for me, oh my goodness, God changed my life. He turned me around and he's given me a promise of eternity with him. Really? Can I get some of that? Is that available to everybody? Yes. You're a Gentile. You're welcome. It's available for all of us. It's not just for a select group. Come on in. Matter of fact, there's a seat at the table for you. So the Jews were first. They were the first ones to hear the news. It says in verse 13, And now you Gentiles, you who were once outside, you were once who were hopeless, didn't have the promise and didn't have the testimony of what God was doing. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news, that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago. Uh, folks, we've got to be walking in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. I don't have time to get into all that today. But look, every believer needs a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I don't wanna, I'm not going to get into a theology of the Holy Spirit. and it, The Holy Spirit is standard equipment for the believer. You wouldn't send an army person out there and not give them boots. You wouldn't send them out there without their fatigues or their clothes to go out into battle with. God's intention was for every believer to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. He ignites that new life inside of us. He's the one who's supposed to lead us into all truth. He's supposed to remind us of the things that Jesus spoke about. He's the one who's supposed to show us how to live a holy and pure life before the Lord. He's the one who's supposed to equip us 
to do the works of the Lord so that we can be successful as believers. Let me just rephrase. There's nothing basic about the Holy Spirit. It just should be the normal life for the believer to have a relationship. But we have theologized and parsed it and categorized and said this is the way it's got to happen that's the way it happened it doesn't happen anymore it does happen and it's not just about tongues it's about all that comes with the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit is not tongues that's an, a demonstration that's a, an, an, an outflow of that it's the relationship and the intimacy that you have become a temple a dwelling place for God's Spirit the same Spirit this is a different, different part of this chapter but the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead has come to dwell inside of you wow can you just get the reality of that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead has come. To, he has come to dwell inside of you. We become a, a holy habitation. Everywhere you walk, everywhere you go, you just took... <laughs> Demonic spirits begin to tremble because they sense there's something that just came in this room. Ooh, did you feel that? Something just happened. What was that that came into this place? Don't be surprised when people act out. And don't react in the flesh when they do because it's not about you. There's something moving in the heavenlies. And we lash back in the flesh and say something back to them because they said something to us. No, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. That's not against about that, but in our battles up in the heavenly realms. You know, you can... I went to a service one time, and look, don't do this just because you want to go to lunch, okay? But I, I went to a service one time. Ralph, you invited me to the service, and I didn't want to go, okay? I didn't want to go. I'm thinking, I've got a night off. I'm looking to have a night off. And Ralph said, hey, David, you want to go over to the service? Me and I'm like, no. But I did because I prayed about it. And God said to me, God said, and, and I'm, I'm, I wish I could remove the me out of this example so it doesn't look like me, okay? I knew a guy one time. But in this scenario, I went to this service, and, and God said, you need to go to this meeting because it has something to do with your destiny. Well, I don't want to miss that. <laughs> you know, All the excuses aside, it has something to do with your destiny. Maybe we need to go. So sure enough, we went to the service. What happened? The minister got up. He said, I just feel like tonight I need to speak to you about destiny. I'm like, okay, that might be God. And he did. He had a, a great sermon about destiny. He had a great sermon about destiny. And then he really came to the conclusion of the message. And then he said, now, he said, there's something I just want to share with you. It's something that's pretty interesting to me, and I just want to share it with you. And he started into a doctrine that was... Um, um, trendy can I say that it was trendy at that time but really it was questionable with regards to its stability I felt like it was kind of a leaning into something that may be uh, an attempt to feel cutting edge but it was edgy enough to where I felt like it could be harmful for the body of Christ and I just felt a check in my spirit and uh, so he's up there speaking and he started to get in this he started getting in like Lord I just felt moved by the Spirit. I said, Lord, if this is not of you, then shut it down. And he, 
he just stopped and he said, I don't know what just happened. He said, my mind just went blank. He said, I can't even remember what it was I was going to talk about. He said, why don't we tell you what? Why don't we just go ahead and close the service, just stand, and we're going to pray together. And I'm like, okay, what just happened? What just happened? But what was happening was he was starting to move into something that was really going to be harmful. And it wasn't me. It was the Spirit of the Lord moved to be able to protect his body instead of going into this trendy, you know, this is what everybody's talking about kind of thing. God already had something that he communicated that night, and that was it. So y'all... And unless I really go off, don't pray that and shut me down for you. You know, but what I wanted, the reason why I wanted to say was, folks, there's authority in your words. Recognize that you're a steward of your words. Speak life into people. God, by His divine plan, what He's doing, He set up a long time ago. There's nothing that's been a surprise to Him. Everything is working together to coordinate with His plan that He set in place. Right now, all this willfulness and sinfulness of men and all the things that are going on even in church that needs to be purified and cleansed and the body of Christ needs to be renewed all over again, all of this, none of this is a, 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 is a surprise to God. And in His appointed time, we're going to see God move in like a flood and set things in order and things that seem like we're out of place and seem like everything's going to get swept away. You remember that word that, that Uncle Steve gave about a spiritual tsunami coming in? It's going to come in and sweep in and remove a whole lot of things that shouldn't be there and it's going to sweep out and it's going to, but that tsunami is not going to be just for destruction. It's going to be for setting things in order. And I remember God followed that in me and said, you be a part of that tsunami. You be a part of that tsunami. Folks, we should be speaking life. We should be speaking truth. We should be speaking to the seed that's in people's lives. We should be bringing life. Why? Because it's a part of our DNA. It's a part of our spiritual nature. The Holy Spirit that God's given us is a guarantee of our inheritance. He began a good work, and He's going to keep on working it until He's done. So He initiates it by introducing His Holy Spirit to us to come and dwell in us so that he can whisper in our ear and speak into our heart and guide us in the paths of righteousness. A guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. And the last phrase right there says, he did this so we could praise and glorify him. So I want to encourage you to go back and look at this passage. Go back and take this passage. I'm not going to go any further because I ran out of time. And that's enough for today. When you look at this passage, look at it two ways, okay? I chose to focus on who God is to us. It's amazing that God would choose us, that God would love us that much. And we need to live a life of gratitude towards Him for what He's done. But it's okay to look at who we are in Him too and see that He chose us. And He adopted us we could spend a whole lot of time on that and that he has forgiven us and he didn't just save us from he saved us too there's a word for the 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 people of god this ecclesia the called out ones the ek ek means out but the 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 way it's used in scripture it's not just a called out from but it's a called unto we're called unto relationship with him we're called to a purpose in christ called out of but called unto so look at those passages and go back in and, and as you're studying it through this week or spending time with it, look at what who god is and just love on him for his graciousness to us 
but also look at who God's created you to be and realize that God's given us a glorious calling in Him. Amen? What a way to start the year. We've got a good foundation. It is a sure foundation. Amen. Would you stand with us? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I want to thank you for these people that are here today. God, these are some of the best people in the earth. <laughs> the best people in the earth. I don't say that because we're perfect, but these are good folks. Lord, I thank you for choosing us. I thank you for embracing us. And Lord, you look through us like a, like a better than an x-ray. And God, you see all the ins and outs and everything. Dear God, MRI, whatever the best reading technology is. But God, you love us, and you've embraced us. Now, Father, we don't want to just, just uh, bask in or wallow in all the goodness that you've done for us. Dear God, we want to do something for you. So, Lord, would you activate us this year in a new level, in a new way? Lord, I pray for words of life, dear God, for supernatural wisdom and knowledge to flow out of our mouths, dear God, and in our hearts so that we can speak life to what looks like a lifeless situation. And God, we want words of, we want healings, dear God. We want miracles to demonstrate, dear God. We want life to be birthed in other people. And we want people who are believers but are stuck in a funk. Lord, we want them, I don't know if that's a spiritual word, but they're stuck. Lord, that they'd be set free to walk the life that you've called them to be. And Lord, may all of us know you better at the end of 2019 than we do right now. No matter how far we've come, dear God, take us deeper. Help us to be more fruitful than we've ever been before, dear God. Erode away anything that's distasteful to you, dear God. And help us to live the life you've called us to live. So, God, be glorified in our hearts, dear God. Be glorified in this body right here, dear God. Be glorified in the body of Christ around the world. As we work together, arm in arm, hand in hand with him, dear God, to tell the good news. May you be glorified. We pray this in Jesus' name. Oh, Holy Spirit, would you just come right now? Come right now, Lord. Come right now, dear God. Fill us afresh, dear God. Touch hearts and lives. Let your anointing weigh heavily on us, dear God. The weightiness of your presence. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. God, we pray for your blessings and your anointing to be on Heidi. In the promised land right now, dear God, over in Israel, dear God, may she have deeper revelation, dear God. May she have wonderful experience. May she be able to share life with the people she comes in contact with, dear God, and protect her while she's there. And God will give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Bless somebody.